Welcome to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Dr. Teresa Regan welcoming you to Autism in the Adult. And today we're going to talk about a topic having to do with what's called autistic burnout or autistic exhaustion. And I was reading an article on this recently, and I've had a lot of personal experience in our household as well as professional experience with this. I wanted to share my thoughts um, about the state of exhaustion that can occur for those on the spectrum. It's interesting when trying to explain the nervous system and how behaviors within the nervous system work. I'm always trying to figure out an analogy so I can kind of explain what people are seeing in behavioral patterns. And that's what I put together in my book, Understanding Autistic Behaviors, uh, because it's very difficult to understand what we're seeing on a day-to-day basis sometimes. And I remember trying to explain behavior patterns to someone, and this particular person had an interest in physics. And I ended up feeling like it actually really helped to use some analogies from physics. Now, nobody has to have a physics degree to understand these concepts, but I think they're helpful in understanding uh, some of the concepts related to burnout. So the first comparison I make in my chapter in this book called The Physics of Behavior, um, I make a comparison with inertia. And a lot of individuals on the spectrum will say, I feel lazy, I can't get going, I um, sometimes will say their motor is running low, uh, and lazy is often what they'll call this state of inertia. So inertia in physics is when, you know, something is not moving and it takes this very significant amount of energy to get going. Uh, recently, I also talked to someone and said, you know, if, you're, if your car is stalled or stuck, you may need to push it from behind. Let's say you have a manual transmission You can get somebody to push it while it goes down a bit of a hill and gets momentum, and then the engine might kick back on. And that's the same thing if we are in a behavioral state where we lack momentum. We're we're still, we're stuck in this very slow 
behavioral state and we lack behavioral initiation. That's, I'm gonna start this behavior, I'm gonna start this project, I'm gonna get going. And a lot of us experience difficulty with getting going, uh, but it can be even more profound for those on the spectrum that alternating from being still or inactive to being active and back and forth, it can be a very difficult transition and it can be very difficult to balance. Someone who's successful in getting out of a stuck state, a still state, a non-moving state, may flip over into so much movement that they're actually accelerating in their behavioral pattern rather than being centered, rather than being balanced and just right. So you can see I'm using words like momentum. So it's that feeling that once the car is moving, it has some momentum. You don't have to push it or it doesn't have to use as much fuel if it's got some momentum. It's going down a little bit of a slant. It's already started from a non-moving state. It takes less energy to keep momentum going than it does to go from a stopped state to a moving state, to a stopped state, to a moving state. You can kind of think about the car again, that you're gonna get a lot better gas mileage on the freeway because you're not starting and stopping. You're keeping the momentum, but when you're starting and stopping and starting and stopping, you have to use more energy. The goal for people and their behavioral patterns is to balance this starting and stopping, especially on the spectrum where the transitions are so much more um, effortful. That I have to get going, it's so much more effortful. And then I have to stop, I have to stop my momentum. I'm accelerating and I can't stop and balance my behavioral pattern. Another example that's neurologic that you may or may not know about is that in the center and the front part of the brain, which is a lot of the circuitry involved with autism, if we look at Parkinson's disease, which also has some of that circuitry impacted, you can watch the walking pattern and see the same difficulty with starting and stopping, but this time it's with physical movement. So in someone with Parkinson's disease, there's kind of a classic walking pattern where they take a step, 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 and they get this momentum and accelerate, and then they can't stop. They have trouble stopping their gait pattern. Well, the same can be true for behavioral patterns. So we've had some analogies here, some comparisons with physics, with getting a vehicle going, with uh, walking patterns in neurology. And we can see that there can be a still state. Then there can take, uh, there needs to be energy to switch from a still state to a movement state. And then sometimes there can also be acceleration or difficulty stopping. Within the neurology of autism, you will have less efficiency, more difficulty balancing that just right state of movement. So you may have someone who looks manic because they're not sleeping and they're doing their favorite activity and they're just talking, 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 
and their engine's running too high. They've got too much momentum and they can't slow down. Or you might have someone who is feeling lazy, quote unquote, feeling like they can't get going and maybe their doctor tells them they're depressed. But really it's part of this, um, what I'm talking about is part of the neurology of behavior, the physics of behavior. So ideally, what would happen is that we could try to help people get to a just right state of movement, of moving forward, of achieving things. And one of the mistakes that I see people make is that when they get into a state of exhaustion or burnout because they've uh, been doing too much for their nervous system, Maybe they've accelerated in short bursts and they had trouble stopping and now they're exhausted. Or they've been in a situation with so much social activity or sensory inputs or so much work to do in their mind. You know, I'm doing this homework, I'm doing this work project that it can be overwhelming. And then all of a sudden, their nervous system kind of shuts down or they they go into a complete stopped state. And sometimes they'll say things like, and then I took a year and a half off and did nothing because I really needed to recover. And when people describe things like that, they're, ex they're describing this need to recover from having had too much input or too much activity um, where they weren't in the just right state enough for them to feel centered and resilient. So in our household, my son is on the spectrum and we talked about this as resilience rather than burnout, but we could really see that there were many things he could do and he could do them well. So could he take an advanced class in school? Yes, intellectually and academically, he can do that. But what about his nervous system's resilience to the intensity of his daily life? Now, that's where we've learned that we just can't have that much intensity. Otherwise, he's going to hit that lack of resilient state and, he, and he's going to have the shutdown that's so uncomfortable and it's difficult to recover from. Another example, particularly when he was younger, we would plan um, a trip to out of state to visit family members and we would go there the same week in August every year. We'd go and stay at the same place every year. We'd see the same people every year, but still it was out of our usual routine. It's a long travel time. There's a lot of people that want to come and see us. And we knew that one week visiting family would take him two weeks two weeks to recover. Um, and that is this recovery period, this resiliency issue. Or we might know that, you know, he wants to go to this birthday party and that's all well and good and we might decide to, to go ahead and have him do that, but it may be that he takes three hours to recover after. So is he able to process spurts of intensity and how much recovery time is that going to need? 
And for people on the spectrum, they often have to be more aware of their resiliency and how much balance they're achieving in their life as far as the intensity, the pace, uh, the amount of momentum or acceleration. Now, there will be seasons of life where the nervous system for the individual is feeling pretty easily balanced. Like, they may have to pay attention to that, but there aren't many episodes of real shutdown or crashing. But there will be other seasons of life where it's much more difficult to achieve that. And they may not be able to have the same pace that they did in the other season, or they may not be able to keep up with the same activity level without extra um, resilient breaks, without extra recovery time. The ideal scenario is that we could help the person retain enough momentum even during periods of of breaks, of resiliency, um, recovery time, that they don't come to a complete stop, but that they still maintain some momentum. What I find most difficult for people is if they continue, 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 and then crash, and then need a year off or a month off, um, or they need to do um, homeschooling instead of school in the building, sometimes there's kind of a circular difficulty. Once there's this feeling of a complete stop, it's difficult. It takes a lot of energy to get that momentum back. Once there's momentum for daily activities that has returned, the energy to keep up with those activities can actually be less. You know, once we've got that momentum, this is the time I get up for school, this is the time I eat lunch, this is the time I take my uh, meeting with my boss, I have this structure, I have this momentum, and it doesn't take a lot of my energy reserve to keep going. As I said before, it's easy for the individual with really intense interests to also get into that overactivated state without realizing it. I'm accelerating, I'm doing so much, I love this, this is so enjoyable, and all of a sudden, without seeing it coming, there's this crash, and they, they may come to a complete stop. Now, sometimes those things are just not avoidable. You know, life is life, things happen, the nervous system is in a certain state, and then we just need a recovery plan. But ideally, what I wanted to share with you is the goal to have things that the individual is doing um, on a regular basis to help their nervous system stay in a just right state. That I always follow part of this routine, even if I'm on vacation, or I always do some running and some stretching to keep my nervous system in a just right state. Um, So that there are some things that 
the person always does. This is my life routine. This is my self-care routine. Um, and I always practice this way. Um, then there are some things that the individual will have to do in crisis moments because those always happen intermittently as well. That, oh, I don't usually have to take extra care of myself to get sleep, uh, but now I do. This is a time I need extra care. Or I need extra care to eat uh, good nutrition because I'm grieving and now I don't feel like eating at all. But I need to keep up some level of momentum to keep going. Um, so next time, I hope you join me, I'm going to talk about using sensory inputs to help the nervous system stay more often in a just right state. So using pressure inputs, using movement inputs to help the nervous system have momentum without as much acceleration. Or in other words, to help the person's motor run at a just right state more of the time rather than going from stopping sluggish, lazy, to reverting to the opposite. You know, I'm restless, I'm fidgety, I'm upset, I'm manic, I can't stop. Uh, we want to give tools to help. So the bottom line message is this. The nervous system for someone on the spectrum probably does need more attention and care as far as its resiliency. And there can be these episodes of burnout where the person has gone from maybe staying still to being um, their motors running too high, they don't see it coming, they crash, and perhaps then they can't get going again. So we want to even out as best we can this what recovery time looks like, how we help the person keep some momentum so they don't have to go from start to um, you know, high levels of activity back down to being completely stopped. We'd like to help the person have just right activity levels as much as possible to have things they can do in a crisis and to avoid that complete hard stop. And next time, join me for some sensory strategies to keep the nervous system in more of a just right state. <music>